And this is the concept of matzah. Just look at things the way they are. Be in reality. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. This week we're going to have a special edition, Pesach and Matzah, How Humility Can Set You Free. A special holiday edition. Grab this historic moment and change your life. So one of the first things we have on the Haggadah, which we read on Pesach, is the four sons. It says like this. Blessed be he. Blessed is the all-present one. Blessed is he. Blessed is he who gave the Torah to his people Yisrael. Blessed is he. The Torah speaks of four sons. One wise, one wicked, one simple, one clueless. The wise son, what does he say? What are these testimonies, decrees, and ordinances which you, Hashem our God, has commanded you? Therefore, we explain to him the laws of the Pesach offering, that one may not eat dessert after the final taste of the Pesach offering. The wicked son, what does he say? Of what purposes is work to you, he says, to you, therefore, thereby excluding himself. By excluding himself from the community of believers, he denies the basic principle of Judaism. Therefore, blunt his teeth and tell him, it is because of this that Hashem did so for me when I went out of Egypt. For me, but not for him. Had he been there, he would not have been redeemed. So Rev. Leif Hasman explains that the four sons are really inside of us. We have four different aspects to ourselves. Sometimes we're wise, and sometimes we're wicked. Sometimes we're simple, and sometimes we're clueless. These are different aspects inside of ourselves. And Rashi explains that the four sons that we're speaking about in the Haggadah, because it says in the Haggadah, the Torah speaks of four sons. This is talking about the four different times that the Torah commanded us to tell over the story of the Exodus to our children. So now the question arises as to why did we change the order in the four sons here in the Haggadah than they were written in the Torah. In the Haggadah, first you have the wise son, and then you have the wicked son, but that's not the order in the Torah. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe wants to explain, which I believe is based on the Maharal, like this. He wants to say that the reason why we put the wicked son after the wise son is that the wise son has to be careful not to become the wicked son, because both the wise son and the wicked son are extremely intelligent. The problem is that the wicked son makes a mistake. He says like this, why Judaism does not encourage intellectual conformity, in other words, we want to be free thinking, but on the other hand, we don't endorse critical rationality either. Why? Because we have to temper ourselves with humility, intellectual humility. It's true, we have to be totally intellectual and really dig in and ask the questions we need to ask and understand what the Torah is saying. And we learn to do that in a rational way. But at the same time, we have to be humble. We have to know that the Torah is way, way beyond us. So even though we should challenge everything that we learn, at this end of the day, we have to know that the Torah is correct, and it means that we don't understand. It, even if we have a question, it doesn't mean, therefore, the Torah is wrong. It means we don't understand. 
And it's only through diligent and patient study that we will come to understand. So we have to have a humble approach. What do we see in the wise son's question? He makes a chilak, he makes a split between chukim umishpatim. In general, chukim means laws that have no reasoning. We can't understand them. For example, you can't eat milk and meat. And you can't wear shatnus. You can't wear together linen and wool. And all the other things that we don't understand, what the Torah is saying, we don't understand the reasoning behind them. And mishpatim are things that we can understand. Not to kill, not to murder, not to steal. So he made this chiluk. The problem is that if you take this differentiation to an extreme, you can go off the way. Why? Because you assume that you understand all the rational laws of the Torah. In other words, it's in your understanding. And therefore, you don't have to be obedient to a higher source. If it's chukim, so what are you going to say? You can't eat milk and meat. There's no reasoning behind it. So, of course, I have to listen to what Hashem says. But if, the other hand, I say, listen, I understand these mishpatim. I understand how legal things should be. I have good svars and good ideas. So then who says I have to listen to Hashem? I can make up my own laws. And maybe this chiluk, this differentiation, is going to take me off the way. And that's where we put the wise son next to the evil son. He says... All commandments, even the intellectual, palpable ones, must be primarily observed out of a sense of the fallibility of human knowledge, which is obedience to a higher authority. The fact that a certain law makes more sense should not color the religious perception of it. In other words, just because you understand it doesn't mean it's out of the box of religion. There's another aspect to it. The aspect is that God commanded you to do it. It's a religion. It has to, it's not just a law. The Torah is a religion. It's not just laws. Okay, if we have laws, let's forget about God. No, God has to be in the picture at every step along the way. And this is what we answered and we said. You should instruct in the laws of the Paschal Lamb. We do not deserve any dessert after the Paschal Lamb. You can't eat anything after the Afikoman. The last piece of matzah that we eat in the Pesach Seder, you're not allowed to eat things. You're not allowed to have sweet drinks. All you can have is water or tea. Why is that? So we should remember, like it says in the verse, it is a Pesach offering to God because he saved our houses. God saved us. God redeemed us. We have to keep God in the picture. Do not eat anything after the afikomen. You should have the afikomen that taste in your mouth, which is the remembrance of God, that God is the one who commanded us the commandments. It's not just our rationale. And even the most intellectual conviction could be leaded off. We know intellectually that God took us out of Mitzrayim. But if we eat after the afikomen and we have cakes and sweets and all kinds of sweet drinks, which represents this world, so our, even our intellectual convictions could be eroded. We can go off the derek and we can wind up like the Russia. And therefore, he wants to explain, that's why we put the Russia right after the wise son. And Rev. Avram Gorzinski of Slabaka wants to explain why is it that we don't realize that the mishpatim, the intellectual mitzvahs, also are beyond our comprehension? It's because we don't work hard enough. When you work hard in learning and you read Rishonim and Akronim, you start to understand that even the most simple concepts we don't grasp. We get to a point in the sugya, in the intellectual investigation, we get to the point where we realize we don't understand. It's a tamanechamim when they go forward and forward 
forward in the learning, they understand, they get a fear of God, because even the most simple things we don't understand. And the Ma'ara also explains this. The Ma'ara was fighting against the sheet in learning that was totally, according to Aristotle, which means pure logic and mukhrak, something is forced logically, it's true. So that goes to a certain point. And it's true that all the basis of all of our learning is based on that. But there are certain things that we can't understand. And the way that the rabbis, the Ma'arau explained that the way that the rabbis spoke, they took us to a place, to a higher place than just rational. It took us to a place where we realized that we need a God to understand. It's not just an intellectual pursuit. It's a godly pursuit. So I now want to apply this idea that our intellect is limited to the beginning of the Haggadah. The Haggadah starts like this. ha lach This is the bread of affliction, the bread of poverty. So the Ma'arau has a question. We know the Chazal tells us not only is it the bread of a poverty, but it's also the bread of redemption. So he has a question. How can it be that the same matzah, which represents poverty and affliction, be the matzah that represents redemption? Aren't those two things opposites? So the Ma'arau wants to explain, no. They are the same. Why? Because someone who does not run after this world, but his whole focus is spirituality, that's the person who's free. Like it says in the Perkiavos, the more possessions you have, the more you worry. So it's the person who focuses on spirituality and doesn't care about this world. And he leaves this world half care. And he's not interested in it. He's interested in only in serving God that's the person who's free. Also, it says in Perkiavos, who is free? Only person who learns Torah, a person who's dedicated to Torah, that's the person who's free. His mind is free because he doesn't have the worries of this world. He's focused on spirituality. And this is what the matzah represents. It is the essential part of the Seder. Matzah zu. This matzah is teaching us to focus on spirituality. I like to add on to this another aspect which we can learn from the matzah. It says ha which means the bread of affliction or the bread of poverty. But Gemara Pesachim says it could also mean the bread ha the bread that we tell stories over. Which stories do we tell over it? Well, in this case, we tell the story of the Haggadah, but it's also our personal story. We know, for example, that the bread is made out of four elements. It has flour, which is earth. It has fire. It has water. And it has air, which, which means that it, it's machmitz. It has air. And matzah is missing that aspect of the air. The air represents the ruach, what comes out of your mouth. The breath, the breath of life, what comes out of your mouth. What story do you tell over the matzah? Do you tell the story the way the Maharal explained that it's nivdal and it's simple, Pashut, the story of life which the Torah wants us to live? Or do we tell our own stories over the matzah about what life is about? And this relates back to the idea of intellectual humility. We should understand that we don't understand all of reality. We see what we see. But the story that we say about reality, that's where we're trapped. That's where we're enslaved. It's our stories that enslave us. For example, a person gets a flat tire. Now, life is full of flat tires. Things are happening every day. What story do we tell over that flat tire? 
Do we say, oi, we have a whole history. What does it mean that I got a flat tire? You see, I'm no good and bad things are happening and all these things always happen to me. That's our history. And then we tell a story about the future. Oi, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get divorced. Who knows what's going to happen because of this flat tire. We have a whole story. And that's the thing that enslaves us. It's the story that enslaves us. So now this relates back to the concept of intellectual humility. Why do we have humility? Why do we have a whole story that we think we know exactly what this means? I got a flat tire and I'm sure that my whole history is true and I'm sure I'm no good and these bad things are happening to me. And I'm very sure what's going to be in the future. I know my life is ruined. I'm going to be late now and I'm going to be all aggravated and you're not free. You're enslaved. You're enslaved to your emotions. But if you have intellectual humility, you know what happened? You had a flat tire. What does that mean? It means that you had a flat tire. You, you're going to make up a whole story about what it means? No. Be here now. A person who is in reality, he sees that the reality is exactly what it is. And this is the concept of matzah. Just look at things the way they are. Be in reality. Without the whole expanded story, like the bread, it expands. Machmitz, it's expanding. Without the mashmout. Without all the meaning that you put onto the story, that's where our freedom exists. Our freedom exists if we can take away the meanings that we put on things and we have a little bit of intellectual humility and we look at things the way they are and we're in reality, at that point we become free. There was a famous book written by a mathematician called Flatlands. It was about people who live in three-dimensional space trying to explain people who live in two-dimensional space about the third dimension. What's one dimension? A point. Two dimensions is a line. A third dimension means mass. So here you are, the people who are living in the world of mass, and trying to explain to the people who have no mass, they only have two dimensions. The matzo also only has two dimensions. It's flat which means it has a point and it has a line, but it doesn't have any mass to it. And that's where the story comes in. That's where the mashmout comes in. The meaning of things. Why add meaning that isn't there? Most of the learning that a person does when he learns Gemara, for example, is taking away things that he's pushing into reality. Why are we pushing our trip on reality? Why can't we just accept reality the way it is, the way that God gave it to us? And that's direction of freedom. So it's not only a question of being attached materialistically, like the Perkyavel says, that someone who has a lot of possessions has a lot of worry, but it's an emotional aspect also. Why are we so connected to everything? Why can't we accept the way things are, the way that God made them, which has to do with intellectual humility? Intellectual humility means, what happened? I got a flat tire. Who gave me a flat tire? God gave me a flat tire. What's the story? It's not my story. It's God's story. I don't know why. I know that God gave me a flat tire, and that's it. And if I could stop pushing my trip into things, I could become free. And this is what the Gula's Avram explains by the four sons. How did the four sons start out? Blessed is the omnipresent. Blessed is he. Blessed is the omnipresent represents the wise son. And blessed is he represents the wicked son. What's the difference? He says both, both of them recognize that there's a God. Blessed is the omnipresent. Blessed is he. But still, the, only the wise son realized that everything is ashkaka pratis. He understands that every little detail that occurs in his life, God is sending it to him. If God is sending it to him, he has to accept it. He has to be in reality. He has to let go and let God run the world. And that's what's going to give us our freedom.
We know in the famous parish of the Vilna Gon on Chadgadya, he explains like this. It says it starts out with a kid, Chadgadya, a baby lamb. Who is that talking about? That's talking about the birthright of the firstborn, Yaakov. And what, who came along and knocked out Yaakov? Well, it was the cat. The cat came and ate the kid. Who is that? That was jealousy. The cat's jealous. And that was the brothers. The other brothers wanted to knock out Yosef because he received the tradition of being the firstborn. And after the cat came, who came? The dog. Who's the dog? The Mitzrim. We know in Mitzrayim, if you look in the history books, you'll see all their idols. A lot of them were dogs. What's the quality of a dog? A dog runs around all day. He has no rest. He has no peace. He has no manuchas and nefesh. He's all day running after his tibus, his desires, running here, running there. So if a person is like a dog, he's not focused. He's not relaxed. He doesn't accept what God gives him. He doesn't live in the present, to be completely focused on the now. Reality is what it is. There's no future. There's no past. There's only now. Let God control your life. Don't be like the dog who's running all over the place. And what happened to the dog? Came along the stick and killed the dog. Who's the stick? It's a staff of Moshe Rabbeinu. Came along Moses and he killed the dog. In other words, he said, listen, here, there's a Torah. There's a God. What are you worried about? Why are you running after all of those taibas? You think you're going to fulfill yourself with a lomazah? You think you're going to fulfill yourself with all of your desires? It's not going to work. You have to get the stick. You have to go according to the Torah. And really, it's a vicious cycle. Why? Because since we don't accept reality, we become all frustrated. Because of our story, we're all frustrated. And since we're frustrated, we have to act out. We have to go do a veras. We have to drink. We have to smoke. We have to do something to release that pressure. This is the nature of man. He has to release that pressure. But the pressure only came because of the story that he told over the reality. If the story would change, the pressure would go away. If we would accept God's decrees, if we know that God loves us and everything happened is min and that we could create a relationship with God. And that's the difference between the wise son and the wicked son. The wise son has a relationship with God. He understands that everything that's happening is Minishanan. And the wicked son, he doesn't know what's happening, so he has a whole story. This happened to me and that happened to me. He has his own personal story, but your own personal story leads nothing but to frustration. And then you're all frustrated. And then you have to act out, and you have to go do a verse. And also, this is what it means by paro. It's paro comes from the word parua, open. Paro opened everything up, spread, dissipated. He wanted everybody to spread their energy all over the place. And they were running around like dogs, who knows what, after our time is all of our things. That's not the way to peace of mind. The Torah is the way to peace of mind. The stick has to come and kill the dog. But this can only happen when we have intellectual humility. We have to know that we totally don't understand what things mean and what things are. I just want to end off with the Shemesh who brings down that the ten mamaros, the world was created in ten sayings. And what happened? Came along the ten plagues and it broke the ten mamaros. In other words, we know reality is solid in the sense that God created it. Came along the ten plagues and showed us that reality is not solid. Everything we thought was real can be broken. Water turns to blood. Frogs all over the place. Never. If you go through the ten plagues, you'll see in every aspect of reality is broken. And it was Megale to us, revealed to us that God is behind this reality. God is the underpinning of reality. And after the ten plagues came what? The ten commandments. Commandments, the Torah, the Torah is 
along with the understanding that God runs the world and that is the way to peace of mind and that is the way to freedom. If we follow the Torah, if we Torah, if we go after Ruchnias, so then we'll be free. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.